Right. You know, it's um, been really great to hear you singing these carols. And really, we should be outside in the cold. Well, in, instead of that, we're here inside in the cold. <laughs> I thought you would have all said that when I referred to it. Um, but the water which is cold be washing your hands. There will be hot water for the tea and the coffees. Where are we this morning? I'll tell you where we are this morning. We're outside with the shepherds. We're all familiar with the passage that Matthew read from Luke's Gospel. The shepherds who came around the manger of that newborn baby who we know is Jesus. We see the shepherds over there, little crib, all standing round. They're always standing up, aren't they? Think about that. Because you might hear something about that later. And then we can see them in the school play. Now, who's been there as a shepherd in the school play? Didn't get the star roll. <laughs> Tea towel round my head, yeah? Your tie to keep it on. And you stand there like that. Nobody taking any notice of you. Not when these three kings come in and they all lay their gifts before them. There's the shepherds. Yeah? School play. And the Christmas cards. You know, the manger scene is great on the Christmas cards. It really is good. So, the first verse we read, verse 8. If you've got your Bibles, keep them open. You can follow it through. We're going for a walk with the shepherds. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks by night. Isn't that nice? No, it isn't. <laughs> it's not. These are shepherds, real shepherds. Being a shepherd in those days, probably still like it now, but it was a hard life. You're living outdoors. That's what this one verse says. Living outdoors, tending the sheep. During the day and the night. Yeah. Watching over them. Protecting them from men who might come and steal the sheep. Jesus used that in a parable. Not only that. The wild animals. Remember David? What did David the shepherd boy do when he was the shepherd? He killed a bear. And he killed a lion. Animals that had attacked his sheep. Shepherds then were seen as being, now get this, the bottom of the social ladder. Why choose the bottom of the social ladder for this occasion? You can think about that. We're going to refer to it later. Because this is a wonderful illustration of the gospel. And it is used an awful lot around this time of year. But I want us first to look at something that we often miss when we read this passage. It's so familiar to us. We hear it. We hear it read. We read it. We take it for granted. And sometimes we don't really think about it as much as we should. So what I want you to do is come back with me. If you want to do that, warm your feet up. 
We're only going to go back to Matthew chapter 2. The passage we looked at last week, uh, as we heard about the wise men. Remember, we don't know how many there were. We know there were three gifts. Could have been a whole stack and could have been two. And those wise men, when we looked at that passage, we read these words. But before we read the words, I just want to remind you that unlike the shepherds, these wise men traveled a great distance to see Jesus. You know, many people throughout their lives, figuratively speaking, travel a great distance before they find Jesus. Doesn't matter how far away you have been. Doesn't matter how old or how young you are. Doesn't matter how far you are geographically. You can travel. And as you travel through your life, you will have opportunities to find Jesus. They went to the palace of Herod. You remember that? They were looking for a king. They didn't know what was going on when they got there. Even the wise men of Israel didn't know. They had to go and search the scriptures. Surprising what you find when you search the scriptures. Do it. And they found this reference. But in Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, you are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. But get this. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. That's from the prophet Micah. This phrase, my people Israel. Just think about it for a moment. Because this phrase moves us into a different dimension. This brings us into the spiritual level. It's presenting the role of a shepherd in a different light. A reference to a shepherd as being the one who is a servant of God and his flock are God's people. And in this statement, we have, what do we have? I'll tell you what we have. We have humility and deity combined. A shepherd humility. A shepherd whose flock will be God's people. Humanity. Deity combined. In these few words. Great, isn't it? In the past, God commissioned leaders of Israel. And when he did, he referred to them as being shepherds of the people of my flock. Go back to Jeremiah. Great to go back to the Old Testament. Great words in the Old Testament. Jeremiah 3.15. This is God speaking. Then I will give you shepherds after my own heart who will lead you with knowledge and understanding. Do you get that? I will give you shepherds. Why? To lead God's people. Why? Because we all need leading. 
the only servant of God who is referred to by God as being after my own heart. You know who that was? It was David, the shepherd boy who became king. Acts 13 verse 2 And after, moving, after removing Saul, he made David their king. God testifies concerning him. I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. Get that. He's the only one. Check it out. Go through your Bible. Look at your concordance. He's the only one who God referred to as being a man after my own heart. And David failed. He failed. He failed God. Many times. You know, with few exceptions, Israel's ancient shepherds, whose commission was to be a leader, to be judges, to be kings, to be teachers, they all proved at some point or other to be failures. Some of them were utter failures. Read Isaiah. Not the shepherds. Even the best of them fail God in one way or another. What is that? That is an evidence of our humanity. We fail God. Paul put it this way. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Why did David, a man after God's own heart, fail? Why did all those teachers and those leaders at some time or other fail? Because they were not perfect. Result being that even the best of God's chosen leaders, chosen judges, chosen kings, chosen teachers, they were not perfect. <laughs> Just like you and I. None of us are perfect. The result of this is because we sin. But there is one who is perfect. Let's put it this way. Perfectly perfect. He's perfect. Let's get back to our passage. Verse 9. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Whoa. I'm not surprised. And here we see an amazing scene. In fact, at the same time, you realize we're seeing two amazing scenes. Two amazing scenes. Mary and Joseph. Where are they? I'll tell you where they are. The suffering, the pain, and the joy that comes to many parents at the birth of a newborn baby. Yeah. A mixture. 
of anxiety, of worry, of pain, and joy. And that's what they're doing. And there's only them. This newborn baby that's been born, it doesn't have a halo around his head. And Mary, standing next to him, she's a mother who's just given birth to a child, and she doesn't have a halo around her head. You ever thought about that? Well, you need to. That baby, in fact, is God with us. And those two people are alone and afraid and worried. And one of them is in great pain and the other one is in great anxiety. Pacing up and down and wearing out the straw on the floor of the stable. And you know what? This speaks of the humanity, hum, hum, humanity, and the humility, but the humanity of who that baby is. And that's amazing. That's amazing. The other amazing scene is taking place in the fields, out of sight, out of uh, sound of what's happening here in this stable. And the glory of the Lord is shining around the group of shepherds and the terrified. I feel terrified for them. I think you would as well if you were there. This is an amazing thing. And the Bible tells us that they were amazed and afraid. Then, the angel. How many angels? I think there's only one there. The glory of the Lord is there. And the Lord's messenger. And he speaks. If they were afraid when they saw it, they're going to be afraid when they hear it. You know, we're here. That's there. He's there. He can see us. He's speaking to us. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring good news that will cause great joy for all people. The first words are words of reassurance. That's what they needed. Reassurance. And the second words are words of rejoicing. Why? We have good news. You know, whenever you come to the gospel... And if you latch on to what the gospel is saying, that I am a sinner and I'm condemned as I stand before God, then I should be afraid. But then there's reassurance. Reassurance that I have a saviour. And that brings joy. Once you accept that reassurance, you get that. You get that. Rejoice. At the good news. Today, verse 11, if you've still got your Bibles open. In the town of David. Yeah, we know where that is. A saviour has been born to you. And there's the rider. 
He is the Messiah, the Lord. No mistakes there. The Messiah, the Lord. You know what we've got here? Think about it for a few moments. What have we got here? A history of waiting. A history of hoping from the time of creation has come to fruition. Condensed in one sentence. Get that? Condensed into one sentence. And it's an important sentence. When? Today. Where? The town of David. What? A saviour. Who? The Messiah, the Lord, has come. Verse 12. This is for the shepherds now. And it's for us. This will be a sign to you. You'll find... What? <laughs> what were they expecting of? After that great statement they've just heard, what do you think? What would you think you'd be expecting? You've seen the glory of God. You've heard the angels speak. You've been told this, that the Messiah is here. And now you're being told to go. This is a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. This is the Messiah. <laughs> this is the Savior. This is... The Lord? That sounds ridiculous. I bet it did to them at the time. You know, the gospel sounds ridiculous to most people. You realize that? Sounds ridiculous. And you know, the Bible tells us that that's how it will be received. It's unbelievable. If you'd have a carol service, you might hear a little bit more about that. But that's unbelievable. So, there's a little uh, sampler for you to come along with. You can believe it. And the shepherds believed it. How do we know they believed it in those days? If those shepherds are in any doubt, for them on this occasion... All doubts were about to be extinguished. Verse 13. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those to whom his favor rests. Not just one messenger from heaven. Now there are too many messengers to count. And they're all singing, and they're all singing praises to God. Verse 15, when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Let's go to Bethlehem. Don't think they said it like that. I think they went, wow, wow, look, look, let's go, let's go. Let's go to Bethlehem. Let, let, let's go and see what's happened. They're still not sure what they're going to say, but they're thinking, this is going to be great. This is going to be great. Look what we've seen. What's it going to be like when we get there? 
You think we'll go, lads? Well, I'm up for it. <laughs> you? <laughs> Things happen like that, don't we? Everyone has the decision, but they don't always voice it. it Take someone else to say it. Who's going to be the idiot? <laughs> Who's going to go? I'm going. Oh, he's going. I'm going. I'm going as well. They made a decision. And they made that decision. When the heavenly hosts had gone, they made that decision. When the silence returned, they made that decision when the darkness, the blackness of the night came around them and the only things that they could see in the night sky was the stars. And they made that decision. And they put that decision into action. The shepherds must go and find the Saviour. Here's a question I'll leave with you. What decision will you make this Christmas? Will it be to find a Saviour? So they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. The desire to go is put into action. They find what they had been told that they would find. No angels here. No lights in the sky. A woman. A man. A baby. This is not a time for drama. There's no real drama here, is there? You know what this is a time for? This is a time for dedication. They've heard. They've seen. Now they're going to believe. That's what these shepherds do. The shepherd's still standing up in that little crib there? Yeah. In the nativity play, the shepherd's still standing up? Yes. When the wise men come and worship him, that was in the house. The wise men weren't there yet. It was a little bit time later when they came and found a child. That little family had found a house in Bethlehem, probably to recover over the stress and to go and pay the taxes that they had to pay. No, it's just the shepherds, the baby, the mother, Joseph. What did they do? I believe they fell down on the mission. Dedication. Nothing up there now. But they know what they've seen. They know what they've heard. How many people come to, to God? How many people invite Jesus into their hearts in the quietness of their bedroom when there's no one else around? Because they've seen and they've heard. They've made that step. They've made that decision. And like the shepherds, that's when worship begins. They worshipped. You know what worship leads to? No. It leads to witness. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them 
about this child. I don't know how God moved in their hearts. But when they saw that simple scene of a baby lying in a manger in what was more than likely a stable, they bowed down and worshipped because they knew he was the Messiah, the promised one, the Lord. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about the child. Notice everything is about the child, about the Messiah, about the Saviour. The result being in verse 18, and all who heard were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. What did the shepherds say? They spoke about the child and who he was. Back to what really was my original question and would have been the title of what I've said this morning. And it's this. Why the shepherds? Okay, last few moments. I know you're ready for a cup of tea, a cup of coffee. But stay with me and just take this little bit in at the end. All those who'd been sent by God to shepherd his people fell short of what they could achieve. While many were said to be bad shepherds, some were said to be mm, reasonable shepherds, none of them were ever said to be good shepherds. Not one of them. But there was one, and there is one, who can lay claim to that title. And the only one who can make claim and claim, take claim of that title, the Good Shepherd, the Good Shepherd who came to save sinners. Who was it who was first called to proclaim the birth of the Messiah to the people of Israel? Shepherds, ordinary people. Who did they represent? I'll tell you who they represented. They represented you and me. They represented all of humanity going from the least, from the lowest, from the worst of sinners to the most educated, like the kings who came from the east. All humanity. Because all humanity has fell short of God's glory and stands condemned apart from those who follow the one who is the good shepherd. Who is he? Jesus told us. John 10 verse 11. You'll know this verse. I am the good shepherd and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Why did he come? Well, you spend the rest of the week, month, year, reading all about it in the Bible, and you do that. But just for this morning as we finish. <coughs> Matthew 9, 10 to 13. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him. And his disciples, when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, 
It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but those who are ill will go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. <coughs> what did Jesus do? Well, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, Matthew 9, 35 to 38, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and illness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless. Get this, like sheep without a shepherd. What did they do to him? What do we do to him? What does the world do to him? Exactly what it's done. Way back since Isaiah the prophet spoke these words. Isaiah 53 verse 3. He was despised and rejected by mankind. A man suffering and familiar with pain. This is the baby in the manger. Like one from whom people hid their faces, he was despised. And they held him in low esteem. That's who the baby in the manger is. Man and God. God with us. He became the Lamb of God when he died on the cross. He rose again and ascended into heaven, proving who he was. And there's another thought to take away as I close now. One day, he will return. We've been going through the book of Revelation. I'm just going to give you one verse. Chapter 7, and it's verse 17. Is he still here? He's still with us. For the Lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. We're going to finish with two questions. Will you be like Mary? What do I mean? Well, have a look in the passage that we read. Verse 19. She treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Will you do that? All these things you've heard? Will you treasure them in your heart? Will you ponder them? Seriously think about them? Second question. Will you be like the shepherds if you haven't already done so? Will you put your trust in Jesus this Christmas? And go home. Like the shepherds did. How did the shepherds go home? Well we know they went home. Telling everybody what they'd seen and heard. They shared what they had. But verse 20. The final verse we read. Glorifying and praising God. For all the things that they had heard and seen. Which were just as they had been told. All the things you've seen and heard this morning are just as they've been told. This is where they've all been told.
This is it. Will you glorify and praise God for all the things that you have heard and seen and just as you have been told us about you. Father, we just thank you for this time we spent around your word. Thank you for this Christmas time. Father, help us to see the real picture. Yes, it's good to see the nativity play. It's good to have the, 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 the little uh, manger scene. But our Father, it's, it's more than that. It's deeper than that. And don't let us miss this real meaning of Christmas. And the real gift, the gift that you have given to a sinful world that we as individuals can receive. Amen.